When your 10-year-old child plans, purchases ingredients, and prepares dinner for the family every Thursday, that's co-production. When neighborhood residents work closely with police to allocate resources to identify and address local safety risks, that's co-production. When patients and caregivers, people with lived experience, serve as co-primary investigators in research, that's co-production too. Several readers and listeners of last week's episode, Walk the Talk, Person First, and Co-Production, asked me to say more about co-production. Luckily, I had this episode in the works for a future date. Easy enough to move it up in the queue. Here you go. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. My first experience with co-production occurred in 1997, although we didn't use the term then. It involved forming member and provider advisory panels as director of quality management at the Troy, New York office of Value Behavioral Health. Jim Bulger, executive director of this managed behavioral health company, wanted the counsel of members and providers about causes of poor satisfaction scores. Both panels came up with common concerns. Delays in receiving mental health and substance use treatment for members and frustration with the pre-authorization process for providers. Pre-authorization means that the insurance company requires a call from the clinician to get permission to be paid for treatment. It's time-consuming. At the time, all visits required pre-authorization. While digesting the feedback with his leadership team, Jim declared that we would be idiots to convene the panels and not listen to them. The outcome? We changed the policy to allot seven visits upon request from any provider in the network. Concerns about abuse? We deal with it when it occurred, and that was more rarely than we expected. Fifteen years later, when I started as Vice President Quality Management for Advocates, Inc. in Framingham, Massachusetts, which supported 23,000 persons with disabilities, I entered a mature system that included people we supported at all levels of operations and governance. The organization invested in preparing partners, thus the person served, family members, staff, and leadership about the issues and reports coming before them. The partnerships resulted in many novel and sustainable changes in clinical practice and family communication. For example, we put more effort into letting residents and family members know in advance when direct care staff moved on to other jobs. 
Small effort led to significantly higher perception scores. As a patient caregiver change agent, six years ago, I shifted my mission statement from empowering people on their journey towards best health to learning on the journey towards best health. My shift from empowering to learning reflects an appreciation of power dynamics in patient healthcare system relationships. Who was I to empower someone else? Power dynamics are who's up and who's down. I'm talking about people when they wear a patient or family caregiver hat and healthcare professionals and institutions they interact with. I say when they wear a patient hat because when doctors wear the patient hat, they also feel the power dynamic. Learning together is co-production. Experimenting for change in research. In co-production, we experiment and change. The degree of engagement itself lives on a continuum, as do its participants. It's not all or nothing. Some are in a traditional power-up position, researchers. Others in power-down position, patients and caregivers. In this piece, I'll examine those continuums, the benefits of partnerships, and the steps you, we, they can take to push co-production forward. I won't espouse an ideal state. Rather, I advocate for self-awareness about the continuum of and readiness for power sharing and advocate for step-by-step forward movement. So this power shift business. Co-producing a research project means researchers, clinicians, and the public work together, sharing power and responsibility from the start to the end of the project. Co-production rests on a foundation of trust, humility, respect for varied expertise, mutual coaching and mentorship, self-confidence, and curiosity. It's not about consultation, participation, or engagement. Words used to describe situation where those in power let people into their world. It's a power shift to engage in partnering when leadership and decision-making are truly shared. Co-production can occur in all phases of a project. Asking questions for research, methods development, Governance and budget, recruitment, analysis, dissemination, implementation, and ongoing evaluation. Co-production is not for the faint of heart, the exhausted, the insecure, or self-centeredly ambitious. It's work. It's risky. But it's also so rewarding. Power shifts usually occur when those with power in the existing system open it up for those with less. We call the exceptions, when people seize that power, revolution. That's not my expertise. I am a lousy revolutionary. Co-production from here to where. The evolving relationship and co-production begin at zero, where there is no relationship, 
The researcher knows best and operates in their bubble of expertise with patients as subjects in the study. The next level is a one-way relationship where academic researchers listen to people with lived experience, usually through focus groups and one-time forums. The third level involves consultation on specific parts of the study. The highest level is shared leadership and decision-making between researchers and patients across the entirety of the research project. Researchers' Capacity, Willingness, and Opportunity to Participate Researchers, often the up party in an unequal relationship, are not homogenous. They're not the same. They vary. Perhaps we can group these perceived powerful into those that have already drunk the Kool-Aid of partnering and sharing and decision-making and those who haven't. Some have existing power-equal relationships, know they have a problem to solve that requires expertise they don't yet have access to, and appreciate the expertise of life literacy and lived experience, and some don't. Some have budgeted for engagement and partnership, have self-confidence, aren't threatened by change, are prepared to change. Some aren't. You get the idea? So a person with power may have self-confidence, comfort with change, a budget for mentoring and coaching, time and patience, and a well-defined problem that requires expertise their team lacks. In contrast, a person with power may feel threatened by change, have no budget, no time, and yet may want to check a box to demonstrate engagement. The strategy and tactics those two individuals might employ in setting up a research partnership would be radically different, given where they sit on the continuum. Similarly, stakeholders seeking to build partnerships and co-production would approach these individuals differently and the outcomes of the partnerships they establish are likely to be radically different as well. The public's capacity, willingness, and opportunity to participate. To be sure, members of the public exist on a continuum as well. Researchers may benefit from understanding the variation among us, the public. We are not homogenous, the same. We have varied comfort and understanding of our lived experience, varied communication skills, varied knowledge of medical terms and systems. Some of us are more networked than others, have more time to devote to advocacy, more desire. Some have transportation to events or high-speed internet access. Some don't. Some have dependent care responsibilities. Some don't. Some have chutzpah, self-confidence, curiosity, and some have less. Co-production, self-awareness, and change management depend on meeting people where they are. This is known as person-first interactions. Now a word about our sponsor, a bridge. Use a bridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. 
or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. So why bother? It's hard. Why co-produce? What's in it for us? I've worked with PCORI, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, since 2013 in several capacities. As a patient caregiver merit reviewer, which means I scored funding applications with scientists and other stakeholders, I was member and co-chair of several advisory panels, and now I serve as a member of the Board of Governors. During this service, I've seen multiple challenges in research. Some examples include that there's a gap between the questions people ask about attaining best health and the evidence-informed guidance available to them when they need it in a manner they can use. There's a glacial pace at which research findings make it into clinical practice and life habits. Many groups are excluded from research studies. There's an outsized emphasis on the institutional medical care of individuals rather than the health of communities. There's an inability to respond rapidly to the uncertainty of public health emergencies. I think that co-production could help address these challenges. A few opportunities resulting from our current experience managing COVID-19 come to mind. Co-production could bridge the gap between the questions regular people ask and the evidence-informed guidance available to them. Few people managing COVID in their lives see guidance in journals and conferences. Co-produced research could listen for questions where people ask them like in popular and social media, Zoom calls, grocery stores, and disseminate in those locations and channels that regular people access and trust. Co-production could inform and serve the diversity of patient-caregiver communities. Few of us know what we don't know. For example, as the previous episode described, partnering with undergraduate college students expanded my old person perspective on the need for evidence about COVID and food insecurity. Co-production could build capacity among stakeholders in established trusting relationships that could be tapped quickly when urgent public health concerns threaten to overwhelm communities. When everyone is flying by the seat of their pants, existing relationships and channels can help prioritize research needed, enroll participants, and disseminate findings. And finally, co-production could put research findings into clinical practice and life habits faster. Implementation is a concoction of science, workflow, life flow, and trust. Co-production supports people who influence. So now what? Appreciating the diversity, the continuum, meeting people where they are can overwhelm us. One size does not fit all. Assuming curiosity, discomfort with the current state, the time, some funding, and existing trustful relationships, we can take many steps. 
By we, I mean any of us, researchers, clinicians, the public, funders. We could spend 15 minutes each week journaling what works and what doesn't work for any partnerships with other stakeholders in your research universe. Self-assess where you and yours live on the continuums of co-production. Self-examine satisfaction or not with the implementation of your current findings. Share widely wherever you meet peers. Budget for engagement and co-production early. If not, dollars pro bono time. Time is not free for anyone. Build on current trusting relationships with peers and stakeholders who have drunk a bit more Kool-Aid than you. Find inspiration there. Experiment with them. Embrace failure. Co-production is messy and fraught. I've learned more from what didn't work than what did. Adjust. Try something else. Spend at least 50% of your time with partners with mouth closed, ears open. They know stuff you don't. This is a challenge for me. (laughs) Hone your ability to identify questions and issues that your current team hasn't yet solved. Could people with different abilities, circumstances, conditions, expertise offer a door-opening perspective? Formulate questions they could answer. Have courage. Finally, no matter how good you are in your bubble of expertise, professional or lived experience, seek and accept coaching about co-production. If you've had some success with co-production, budget time for mentorship, paid or pro bono. Thank you, followers, for asking for more about co-production. Realistically, partnerships, co-production is work and rare anywhere. The bottom line for me is self-awareness, courage, small step progress, and variable solutions. Today, as I finish this script, this article, I'm thinking about how we might measure progress we take in co-production like dollars spent, decisions made, people involved. I don't know. Have any ideas? Let me know. Onward. See you around the block. Thanks to Kayla Nelson web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks.